1: This episode is made possible by PwC. When you bring together human ingenuity, passion, and experience with the latest technology, the future starts to look a whole lot smarter, which is why The New Equation is meeting the future of work today with ProEdge. Digitally upskill your entire organization to keep ahead of the curve and drive growth. Learn more at thenewequation.com. I'm Chineo Gumake. I'm Lisa
0: Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center.
1: Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and
0: keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back.
1: Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's gonna go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Sunday, November 1st. You guys hearing this on Monday, November 2nd, and since we won't speak to you officially on Monday, and it might be another week, unless some stuff goes down during the week, free agency-wise or anything like that. Uh, it's going to be a minute, so obviously we would be remiss uh, not to remind you that if you are listening to this on November second, or technically November third, on the East Coast, mm-hmm. uh, that would be the anniversary of the Chicago Cubs winning the 2016 World Series—a real World Series, Corey, with a real 162-game oh. season. Interesting. Yes, yeah. I have no yeah. idea why you are pointing that out, no, yes, I just thought to say it. Uh, 162 is actually 102 more games uh than than Mm -hmm. 60 and the cubs also had to play you know other divisions and uh go through a rigorous uh six month or so schedule so obviously injuries occurred they had Mm -hmm. to deal with stuff like that but again no reason uh at all that none whatsoever pointing that out um so anyway uh happy anniversary uh as always I don't think I need to remind you of all of that. We're not there. There's a lot going on in this offseason, so we're not going to reminisce uh, on that too much. I, I don't think, but it is always fun to look back at that. I, I, I know that so many of us would rather. Be focused perhaps more on, you know, maybe more recent accomplishments or things like that. Uh, But it was only a few years ago. There's only a a handful of champions other than the Cubs uh, who have won a more recent title. And. it it, it just was such a special time. I mean, every time I look back at that stuff, I'm reminded, you know, and I know we especially and basically most Cub fans talk about the Cubs winning the World Series in 2016 relentlessly. Uh, But it, you know, it it, it really never is lost on me just how special that was. And, you know, especially as we're living through this pandemic and and not doing much, right? It's, it's a lot of fun. And, 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 to look back at those memories and just think about all those nights in Wrigleyville and where you were for those games and who you were with and just how special that that time was. And uh, I don't think I will ever get tired of, of reminiscing on it and looking back at those memories and doing those throwbacks on, on social media and stuff like that. It's uh, well, those it was a very special time and something that we all waited forever for. And as we've often discussed, you know, Cubs fans put up with people talking about the, you know, 100 plus year curse. They talked about, uh, you know, certain fans involved in moments uh, at the game who I don't use his name because he's a human being that didn't deserve that. Uh, If you want to talk about somebody, we can talk about Alex Gonzalez, right? Uh, You know, we lived through a lot of ribbing and and teasing and uh, fun-making for years. Uh, You know, Brendan and I are only in our late 20s, and I'm sure a lot of you endured that kind of talk for much longer. So uh, I think you can give yourself permission to reminisce on the Cubs winning the World Series as much as you damn well please. And on November 2nd, uh, that is a holiday in in Chicago and for Cub fans. I think it should be recognized uh, worldwide, personally, Brendan.
0: Yeah, and I was watching some of the, you know, post-Wrigleyville celebrations when they did win the World Series. Comparing that to what we just saw with a certain team in Los Angeles, they did not get to experience the same type of uh, unhindered joy, if you will, that we saw at Wrigleyville. And those are the types of views and videos that so many fans hold dear, and those are the things that stand out to them the most. Those post-celebrations they have with their family and their friends. And that's special. And all those videos that we see will never go away. I think everyone knows the exact moment where they were when Anthony Rizzo caught that last out from Chris Bryant. And whether that's five years from the date or 50 years from the date, that's never going to change. And no matter how, in, in my eyes, how this current era ends, that will still never change. That was an unbelievable feat from game one to the very last game. And that's just never gonna change for me every year November second we'll be talking about the same thing
1: yeah, I think that's a good point i mean i I think especially at the time and really throughout our whole lives, I guess, and i pretty much everybody else's um that's not really something you ever would have thought about uh but now i I think you you know you're right, uh, especially in relation to uh this recent World Series title. Uh, I use air quotes. And I also just Restorance, want to clarify, yeah. you can go back to our episodes in April or May, whenever they announced this. Uh, mm-hmm. The The statute for all of this was very clear. Uh, so don't, g- don't get it twisted that Brendan and I are uh, going <laughs> yeah. back on our word. We told y'all in May, this was a very clear set of parameters for this pandemic 60-game season. Legitimate, if the Cubs win, complete farce, if anybody else wins so yeah, we've never said anything the, yeah the, the rules place. were stated very clearly you either abided by them or you didn't um but I, I i think it's a good point that you make that it's something i i don't think any of us took for granted uh, you know like you're saying no. i think a lot of us remember exactly where we were who we were with and how special those moments were throughout 2016 uh but yeah i mean like la waited a, a very long time uh since the 1980s to win a technically World Series championship and they didn't get to they didn't get to watch that team at all during the season they didn't have any of those moments you know I mean I I can think of so many of those nights throughout the 2016 season the regular season where it was you know you could feel that special vibe in Wrigley Field and just being at those games and experiencing what a special team that was in person you know, adds to that experience, and then of course being able to watch them in the playoffs. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be there in Cleveland when they won the World Series, be in Grant Park for the rally and and, and stuff like that. And uh, apparently, right, I, I don't know that any of us would have predicted it, but that was not something to take for granted. We were yeah. all, uh, you know, very lucky that that was the year the Cubs finally did it, and that we were all. Able to experience it in in the way that we were. So uh, anyway, we could end up doing this for two hours. I know I said we weren't going to spend the whole time doing this, It'll but we really still. could because the Cubs won the World Series and it was right. awesome. Correct. Um, but it's the off season. There there is a, a lot going on, uh, and as we've talked about, it's going to be a weird one. And a lot of the stuff that has gone on in this past week, you know, once the twenty twenty season officially ended and we move into the period where teams are able to start making decisions on guys whose options they want to pick up or not pick up, you're going to start getting into tender conversations, free agency, and and all that stuff. So we've we've seen some stuff. There are some trends, and they're a little uh, concerning, <laughs> Brendan. Like <laughs> it, it's it's <laughs> you know I know there's been a lot of rhetoric uh, that. We don't know what this offseason is going to look like. All the owners are talking about how much money they're losing and stuff like that. And they don't know the 2021 outlook. And that was reflected in this first week of decisions. I don't think it you know, guarantees anything going forward. But we did see a lot of guys whose options, I think, in a normal year might have been picked up. Uh, and they were not. So it, it certainly reflects the prediction from a lot of people that, the free agent salaries and the spending is is not going to be normal and it's not going to be good in terms of, you know, the players uh, getting as much money as they can and the owners showing that willingness to spend money. But we'll get into that. Brendan's going to lay out some important dates for you to look at over, you know, the next few weeks as the offseason starts to unfold. But I would like first to lay out uh, some of the stuff that the Cubs have done to start all of this process just so that we can get this underway. So When the season ended and and guys were officially free agents, here are those who uh, are free agents once the season ended for the Chicago Cubs. Andrew Chafin, Tyler Chatwood, Billy Hamilton, Jeremy Jeffress, Jason Kipnis, Cameron Maben, Josh Fegley, and Jose Quintana. So some of those guys, you know, had very uh, short stints in Chicago. Some had very minimal impact. Others had, you know, much bigger impact. Uh, And, you know, I think at the very least that's a group where, you know the the team certainly looks a little different uh, with with some of those guys not currently under contract anymore. The Cubs also did decline the option uh, and did do the buyout on John Lester. That was extremely expected. I don't even know. I. I don't think in a, it was weird, like some of the reaction was just like immediately, oh, he's gone. And it's like, guys, they were never going to pay him $25 million. Uh, That just was not something that was going to happen. They also declined the option on Daniel Descalso, and they picked up the option on Anthony Rizzo. I know there was a little bit of Concern from some, I on that, I guess you know, especially with some of those early moves and and teams declining options on on guys you may not have expected, uh, but that was never going to happen. I I was a firm believer in that. That would be insane. Uh, and even if the Rickets were, were going to go cheap and and cut payroll, that is a move you cannot make. <laughs> you could get rid of like the entire team before you could uh, let Anthony Rizzo just walk away. Uh, from this team, that wasn't going to happen. Uh, but it was a relief on Saturday when when the news officially came across. So that is kind of the lay of the land. There's still some more decisions to make. Obviously, you have guys headed to arbitration. You're going to have to decide who you're going to tender contracts to, and 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 things of that nature. But that is kind of the immediate lay of the land. So I, I think naturally. Brendan, the the immediate question that I have for you is what was your favorite moment of the Daniel Descalso era? I think that my favorite moment is right now
0: talking about not having Daniel <laughs> yeah. Del Uh I mean full disclosure though, I did I did have a brief glimpse that I'll just, you know, be transparent about. I think it was the first week of the twenty nineteen season when he was kind of going off. I, I was feeling it for about seven days, but quickly after the uh the injury to his ankle, I believe, yeah. that was it. So, you know, nothing against Daniel Descaso. He was a great teammate. The guys did like him, but he, he he should have been gone you know 18 months ago
1: yeah I think you know he too was uh, a victim of I, I I think we were okay with the signing you know in the first place I mean it was pretty clear what they were going for he had not had a particularly successful career kind of had a little bit of a launch angle uh induced resurgence season the year in before Arizona. the Cubs signed him and it just didn't Translate it. It just didn't work, and like you said, he was you know sort of productive for a little while Um, for one week, yeah, yeah, for before that ankle injury, and then I think you know really like part of the reason that you and I started to uh, it's not a dislike of him, it's it's him as a player, right? Uh, Was really because of his usage. I think that's you know mostly on Joe Madden, to be honest with you. Um, He just got way too many opportunities at leadoff, which is playing too much. Uh, especially, you know, when he came back from that ankle thing, and it was just very clear that he was not even the same person that he was for that first month or whatever. So uh, overall, just a disappointing signing. I think it, you know, in 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 the first place, it, it had the potential to make sense for what they were going to ask him to do, and it just kind of derailed from there. But Anyway, uh, yeah, my favorite moment of that era is nothing. Uh, so um, it, it, it is interesting looking at this, though. I mean, even just looking at the guys you are losing from this group, uh, un- unless you decide to bring them back on a cheaper contract, whatever. Um, you know, Tyler Chatwood has, has certainly played a role for this team. I think more of the time has been spent in his time, you know, while he was with the Cubs in sort of dreaming on the role he would be playing rather than actually seeing it for the most part um which was obviously disappointing and and not really any fault of Tyler's he was hurt uh, a lot of that portion and you know I think that early part of his career was exceptionally wild that you know just was not something I think anybody could have predicted um Jeremy Jeffress, you know, it would be interesting to see if they try to bring him back, obviously kind of faded a little bit toward the end there, uh, but was a a huge piece for this bullpen and and really one of the reasons that they were able to bide their time so much with, with Craig Kimbrell kind of working back to the form that he was in at the end of the season. And then, of course, when Rowan Wick got injured, you know, Jeremy Jeffress was huge for this team. Obviously, the 2020 season doesn't end the way anybody cared it to but the fact that they win the division the fact that they were successful through those 60 games Jeremy Jeffers was a big part of that so uh, that'll be an interesting one and then I think you know it's it's weird to sort of think that we're in this moment where Jose Quintana is not a cub anymore uh, you know obviously that trade is much discussed about and it will continue to be much discussed about uh but it's interesting i guess to just sort of be in that spot it feels like time has kind of flown Slater. by in in yeah. that regard and you know obviously uh, a disappointing 2020 for him with the injury that kept him out for most of the season and you know then had that kind of uh on on again off again comeback toward the end there uh but he is no longer a cubs so no matter how you want to spin it the cubs have some rotation spots to fill. They've they've got potentially some bullpen spots to fill, and that is kind of the lay of the land as as far as that goes. Brendan, I I know you were never particularly a big fan of Quintana, um, so I assume you are not particularly disappointed that he is not a Chicago Cub, but anybody on that list—this whole conversation, let me just preface this, we— do not know what the spending is going to be. There are varying reports that it's going to be the worst off season ever for the Cubs, that it's going to be, you know, similar to some of these others where they don't really spend very much money and it's kind of just like kicking the tires and putting band-aids and running this all back, right? and so we just don't know so if if i had an exact figure for you these conversations would be a lot easier but i don't and that's just the way it is so i know it's going to kind of get annoying for us to say well if they have the money or if they don't have the money but we literally don't know yet we don't really have even them like tipping their hand in any particular regard yet right that could, could could happen soon uh but so i say that just to ask you brendan Anybody on that list, if the prices are manageable and if it all fits into ultimately making the team better, even if it's only incrementally, anybody on that list that I read, Chafin, chowd Hamilton, Jeffress, Kipnis, Mabin, Fegley, and Quintana, that you are interested in pursuing them returning to the Cubs.
0: Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people Fast. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates that you will see fast. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Try Indeed out with, again, a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Terms and conditions apply offer valid through December 31st. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts. The the Jeffer's performance in 2020 was encouraging, but there were some difficult peripherals to reconcile with his actual output, where he was getting better than expected, run prevention despite not getting the strikeouts that you typically see for someone with that level of run prevention. Jefferis, I'm not concerned about having go to a different team or not coming back. My excitement with Jeffress was that for the first time in a few years, the Cubs identified someone with good peripherals, good spin rate, and they brought him into the team and they used that new pitching infrastructure to get him to the next level. And so for me, that was the exciting part where I've said this so many times now, but I'll just say it again. They took Jeffress Splitter and they made it almost a feature pitch where he was not using that pitch in previous years like at all. And then he comes over to the Cubs, he's using the splitter once every three pitches, and there you go, he was a closer for the majority of the season because they were able to identify something that other teams didn't. So I give give the Cubs pitching development system, their infrastructure credit for that, and because they were able to do that, I have confidence they can do it again with someone else that may not be Jeffress. I'm open to bringing them back, but given how the current offseason and the projections is so volatile, we we don't know who else is going to be out there at this point. And we don't even know what Jeffress would be asking for, right? So it, it's so there's so many unknowns that it's hard to figure out who who do you want to come back? And then the second name on that list probably would be Quintana. Like you know, my, my issue with Quintana over the years was that he was you know, average. That that really is what it came down to, and he was put in a position on this pitching staff where being average was okay, but the expectations were greater. And I think we saw that in what they gave up to get Quintana. That being said, if Q is brought back with a favorable contract, that makes sense. And again, as you just said, we don't know what the payroll is going to be, but if it makes sense financially given what the Cubs' current pitching outlook looks like, I think there's a fair argument to be had to at least discuss bringing Q back. Because right now, going into this offseason, we only have four guys that are locks in rotation, or presumable locks, given nothing really happens um, in this offseason. And those four guys are you Darvish, Kyle Hendricks, Adber Alzale, and Alec Mills. So we don't even have a fifth starter locked in. And among those potential fifth starter options, you have Tyson Miller, Corey Abbott, Duncan Robinson, Keegan Thompson, and maybe Braylon Marquez, maybe Jack Patterson, and those guys still probably have some development to go through. So talking about Q in like a $5 million to $8 million contacts for one or two years, I'm, I'm into the idea, but I'm also into the idea of bringing in other pitchers as well. You just lump those guys into the group. But we'll find out about some of these potential options actually re- relatively soon. So just to lay out the immediate calendar for what the offseason looks like and which deadlines to, to write down in your calendar. November 2nd, so Monday, first full day of free agency. And then sometime in the next few weeks, in the next two weeks, they'll have a virtual GM meeting. So this is obviously not the physical location that we see in Scottsdale, Uh, for example, last year. So this will be held remotely. And then after those GM meetings on November 20th, teams must finalize those 40-man rosters. And the reason you have to finalize these 40-man rosters is that way you can prepare for the Rule 5 draft on December 10th. So you may have a few guys that the Cubs are interested in potentially become available after November 20th if other teams don't put those guys on their 40-man rosters. And then fast forwarding along on December 2nd, this is probably the biggest day of the offseason because this is the day that teams must submit their contracts for arbitration eligible players. So what does that mean? That means if the Cubs want to bring back Kyle Schwarber, that's the last day they can make an offer or they want to bring back Chris Bryant, any anyone under arbitration, right? You have to submit your team's offer and then the teams or the players on their end's They either accept it or they go through the neutral arbitration process and they settle that way. So that's December 2nd. So that's basically one month from today. Then you have the winter meetings, December 6th to the 10th. Those are still scheduled to take place in Dallas, but it's possible that they'll be in a virtual format as well. And then that rule five draft day will actually be December 10th. So about Six weeks, five weeks from today, so we'll be here before you know it. And then uh, one other last note that is a little bit rare this off is that on January fifteenth, you have the international free agency signing period beginning, and this was pushed back from its original date of July second of twenty twenty because of COVID. And I, the reason I bring this up is because the Cubs are predicted to be heavy players in in this. In this international free agency period and they're projected to sign one of the top shortstops in this class named christian hernandez who we've wrote about written about on cubs insider he's a big shortstop big lanky dude looks to have a lot of pop in his bat some have given them comparisons to like alex rodriguez just from a pure swing perspective so those those are the dates you have two months basically of some action on a bi-weekly basis but really, the the most important date is that December 2nd, because that's when we'll know on December 3rd when we wake up, hey, is Kyle Schwarber going to be on this team? Is Chris Bryant surprisingly not going to get tendered a contract and go about it a different way? And so on. So that's that's the layout of the season. Uh, we'll have a better idea with potential pitchers, even this week, with the qualifying offers to, to major pitchers already announced, which we'll talk about this podcast. But
1: that's, that's the layout of the offseason, Corey. Yeah, so there it is. And again, like we don't know what these figures are going to be, uh, though we have obviously all heard Tom Ricketts talk about the biblical losses. Uh, That's a quote of his. We've all read about, you know, sort of the disaster that has been the marquee rollout, it getting dropped from Hulu Live and, you know, this other stuff. And we've seen the Cubs cut a lot of people, a lot in their front office, uh, which is, you know, certainly not a good foreshadowing. Uh, I, I would imagine that the Cubs are one of the teams perhaps most heavily impacted by the lack of fans and just this whole thing. Uh, obviously, we all know that that Wrigley is obviously a destination, uh, and, you know, with merch sales and beer sales and, you know, just everything that goes on at Wrigley, it's just more of, uh, you know, I think you're, you're going to feel that impact. Now, as always, uh, if you listen to this show, you know that we uh, are not exactly uh, on the side of the billionaires, if you've ever listened to us. They have plenty of money, and a lot of this shouldn't matter, but it is a business. That's how you know most of the world works in terms of capitalism, and they are able to respond to big losses on their business however they choose to do it. So it's it's all just to say it might be pretty bad. It might be ugly out there. And that's why you're going to hear questions about whether the Cubs should tender Kyle Schwarber a contract and, you know, go to arbitration or try to negotiate separately. Same with Chris Bryant. And I know, trust me, that's oh, utterly insane. And it yeah. would be one of the most embarrassing things if not the most embarrassing thing in the history of this organization, uh, if they simply non-tendered a rookie of the year MVP World Series champion uh, that they drafted simply because they did not want to pay him, you know, the 2023, 20, whatever it's going to end up being million dollars that he would get in arbitration.
0: Then get no value back for it.
1: Right. But that it, it, it's it's a possibility I would be lying to you if I said it wasn't a possibility if they wanted to just remove that money right it's not guaranteed right now and it would just go away if they did it and you know if you if you did him and Schwarber that would be a very significant chunk of money uh, again it would be completely embarrassing and you would have every right as a fan of this team to be up in arms about it but Again, like all we can tell you is what we've been hearing from a lot of these owners, what they keep pointing to in terms of their losses and MLB's losses and stuff like that. And again, just to remind you that we don't own the team. You don't own the team. Somebody else does, and they are going to treat it however they see fit to run and their business. That's just so how far it's going to be.
0: In 2020, to add context to this, so this was uh, noted by Sahadev Sharma of The Athletic The Cubs are claiming they lost in net loss 140 million this season. So that's revenue, what you spend, whatever. In that context, 140 million. And then next year, they're projecting 120 million net loss again. So basically, no different than the shortened season. And that's probably because they don't really know what to project. They don't know. What spring training will look like in March, which is in four months, right? We don't know we're going to be in the pandemic in four months. We don't know what the fans will be like in the stands. Will we have full capacity? Will, will, Will we be able to have full capacity in the next few months in July, August of that season? They don't know. So they're probably operating under the mindset of severe conservatism because they don't know what's going to happen. And I think that's probably a fair strategy, unfortunately, because no one knows where we're gonna be at. So how that affects who they go after, how they negotiate some of these arbitration contracts, who they even non-tender contracts. I mean, Javi's in that list too, man. Hobby's going through arbitration again, and he was the worst hitter statistically in the league this year. So it it's 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 just all to say it's messy. It sucks as a fan. This will be the worst off season of our fandom's like life. Like, just prepare for it. Not to be too negative, but this this is the reality of the situation.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, again, like I, it's it's very negative. And maybe it doesn't end up that way. Again, we don't really it's, we're not yeah, positive. We don't, we don't know what's gonna happen um but the the massive layoffs in the front office the constant lamenting of the lost revenue and stuff like that it certainly doesn't inspire a, a lot of optimism um again you know like at the very least they did uh accept Anthony Rizzo's option because that would have been i mean i yeah i mean can you imagine? <laughs> like that would have been <laughs> just a lot of this would be unacceptable and embarrassing, but like that—that that, it was just like a whole different level, uh, especially at only I think sixteen and a half million dollars. Like you, you just could not have made the other decision there. You want to but, talk
0: about an explicit podcast? Ho oh, ho! We would have had that for you.
1: That might have been an explicit podcast, like outside of the building at, at Wrigley Field. <laughs> I, I mean, that would have been a whole Get separate. Land. And I don't up. think we would have been alone in that. Um, but it's—it's it's all just to say that. Again, like you can, we can all go look at what the Ricketts family net worth is. You can all look at how they spend some of their other money, right? Like in their free time. I think we're all aware of that, whether you agree with it or not, right? They're still spending the money. And it's frustrating, but it's their business. And there's not much we can do about it other than try to provide you guys the context as to what is going on here. Uh, So we'll see. But to me, just getting to some of these smaller guys, I think that this offseason is going to be interesting, and it's it's maybe best exemplified. I think Brad Hand right now is one of the better examples of kind of getting a sense of where this offseason is going to go. Brad Hand was one of the best relievers in the league last year, uh, and I think had around a $10 million option that was declined. Now, Colton Wong is another example. And, you know, he's obviously uh, an an up and down hitter at the plate, you know, uh, certainly uh, that his most of his value is him being, uh, you know, sort of annual gold glove guy and and someone who's constantly rated as one of the best defenders in the league, as much as we despise him. He's technically a free agent now, so we don't have to despise him as much. Um, But, you know, that was another like $11 million option. And again, you can debate what you think about him as an offensive player, Uh, but, you know, the Cardinals, who don't typically spend a a lot of money uh, relative to a lot of their competitors, deciding to decline the option on a guy who's been a, you know, fairly focal point of, of their team for the last several years, these are all just moves that kind of raise your eyebrows a little bit and saying, like, okay, teams are... Gonna try to be cheap, like they're they're clearly forecasting a market in which someone like Brad Hand or someone like Holden Wong is just not worth this money anymore. So I think it's going to be interesting, and the hope would be right that the Cubs, you know, they do have a, a good bit of money coming off the books, and if they can maybe get some favorable projection as to what they might be able to do in terms of fans or anything like that in the year 2021, that they can improve on the margins here at a bargain, right? Because I think that's going to be the market inefficiency going forward. And you look at a team like the Mets, who just got a new owner, and the first thing that he did as the new owner was to pay a lot of the employees, you know, what they had been cut during this pandemic and kind of make good on that. And, you know, he wasn't the owner while they were, you know, dealing with all of this, right? So the the sentiment from that camp is that they're going to come in ready to spend money. And this is going to be a good off season to do it because you might be able to get guys at a bargain. Um, you know, if it, I don't know what, you know, if you look at someone like Brad Hand, that he was going to get $10 million. Does he get five now? Does he get two now? Like, I don't know, right? The degree of disparity is going to be interesting to see. But it's clear that if you're a team that is willing to spend a little bit of money and maybe go a little bit above the rest, you might be able to pick up a, a good chunk of helpful players for pennies on the dollar, right? For for a, a significant decrease at at what you might have paid for that same chunk of players in prior off seasons. So I think if the Cubs are able to find themselves, even if it's just a couple pieces, right, I, I think that, you know, they would obviously be in a good position going into a 2021 season where they you know they have a lot of talent still on this roster and are playing in a bad division um as as far as just some of the names that we read like you know going to someone like Quintana I, I think as always the value with him is in the innings and the the sort of depth that he's going to provide and the consistency uh, assuming he doesn't cut his hand in any wine glasses in spring training again um <laughs> I like, to me, if we're operating under the assumption that money is going to be tight and, you know, you're you're, you're you're trying to sort of maybe improve on those margins, but it's going to be in a very small amount of spots, I'm just not super interested. I got to be honest with you. Um, I would rather see some of the guys you listed off, uh, you know, kind of like those Tyson Miller types. I wouldn't tell you that I'd be very confident in it, but I just, if you're going to spend the money it wouldn't be there. It it just would not be in someone like Quintana for the rotation. I would rather see if you can hit a higher ceiling with one of these young guys, let them develop a little bit, uh, get those innings, and see if it can, you know, turn productive for you. You know, sort of similar to what we saw from Alec Mills. Like, I don't know what to expect from Alec Mills in 2021, uh, but, you know, they finally gave him some starts, let him really settle in, to a rotation spot in the 2020 season, and it paid off for them. He had a lot of really nice starts, and, you know, now you look at, you know, okay, like, I feel pretty comfortable if this guy's starting in the rotation, and we'll see what happens, right? I just would rather go that direction rather than someone like Quintana. If they're only going to have a little bit of money to spend, I I would be looking to improve on offense, and I would be looking to go for guys that can can really hit a higher ceiling for this team rather than, oh, yeah, like, this guy's going to give us, you know, 180-plus innings, right? Like, it's just—it's not where I would go, but this is another, this is another, you know, discussion where it's like, it depends on what the budget's going to be, and it depends on what Quintana's going to get. You know, if you could get him for a very small amount relative to what you otherwise would have been paying, then, yeah, sure, right? Like, it's cheap depth, and, you know, you get those innings, you get those starts. Um, But— to me, my philosophy looking at this is if they're only going to have a little bit to play with, and it's going to be a couple of moves, I'd be shooting in different areas, and I'd be looking for guy Like I just don't think Hugh has that high of a ceiling, and I would yeah. just be looking somewhere else.
0: Well, I think given what we have uh, to play with in this free Asian class, there are so many other names on this list that just make more sense to me, and we'll go through some of these names. But even looking at who was extended a qualifying offer versus who was not extended a qualifying offer. To your point, Corey, it does show where the league may be heading this offseason. So only six guys got uh, extended a qualifying offer. And those six guys were the Giants' Kevin Gossman, which I'm actually disappointed about that he got that qualifying offer. And then unsurprisingly, it was Trevor Bauer from the Reds. You have DJ LeMahieu from the Yankees, JT Realmuto from the Phillies, George Springer from the Astros, and surprisingly to me as well, Marcus Stroman uh, for the Mets. Now, of the bunch that did not get a qualifying offer, you have names on there who I thought would get it. So one example I thought maybe um, uh, like James Paxton for the Yankees. Even with his injuries, I thought he may get one. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka also did not get a qualifying offer. So those are two guys both with uh, exclusive types of risks that that might make sense paxton maybe not so much because of the tommy john surgery but tanaka you know veteran you kind of know what he has he knows his stuff the cubs might be able to take advantage of something the yankees have not been seen but you also have on that list who did not get a qualifying offer like Didi gregorius or uh blake trennan from the dodgers uh Jock Peterson, who I don't think the Cubs will be interested in, but these are the guys we're talking about. Liam Hendricks from the Athletics, Marcus Semien from the uh, Athletics again, you have Josh Reddick, Michael Brantley from the Strohs, and then Andrelton Simmons from the Angels, who's widely considered to be the best defensive shortstop probably over the last decade. So there's a lot of names who maybe, probably, in the years past, would have gotten a qualifying offer, but in this era, you just, you just don't know. But it does provide the foundation Upon which we can talk about who the Cubs go after. So my first reaction seeing Kevin Gossman sucks because if the Cubs were to sign him, they have to give up you know a draft pick to get him, and I I don't want to do that. And then when you look at the available list of arms who are not getting qualifying offers or who are just regular free agents now, you have guys on this list including you know like going way down here. You have guys. Like Jake Arietta, who <laughs> I'm a little biased here about, I, I would consider. Or you have Julio Tehran or Michael Waka or Alex Wood or uh, Garrett Richards or Robbie Ray, if you want to take a chance there. Rick Porcello, Jake Orderizzi, Jimmy Nelson, Charlie Morton, Matt Moore, uh, Mike Leake, Corey Kluber now, J.A. Happ, right? These are all guys we've heard about at some point over the last four years in the context of success. And Tyler Chatwood is also a free agent. Do the Cubs want to consider bringing him back? Because one, they were the ones to get him to that next step before he got injured in 2020. And two, they're familiar with what he has. And there's a a lower degree of uncertainty bringing back someone like a Tyler Chatwood. And also, Chris Archer is a free agent now, too, as is Chase Anderson. Archer, of course, with those injuries and the instability, even when he was healthy. But point being... If the Cubs do have a little bit of wiggle room, a lot of these guys come with a unique set of limitations that other teams may not be willing to pay. And the Cubs do need pitching. They do need pitching depth. They've already shown in one year what they can do with Craig Breslow and Tommy Hadevy leading the way, trying to get these guys to the next level. And when we talk about Quintana in this bunch uh yeah like let me take a chance and someone else besides q i've seen that 92 mile per hour fastball for three years up in a zone with a curveball i'm kind of interested to see what maybe someone i don't know like Corey kluber if he's healthy enough i guess or to be honest like even like robbie ray despite some of his limitations he's coming off a season not just three years ago where he's one of the better pitchers in in the league what what's up there or garrett richards in that that fastball cutter combination right so there's a lot of options here i just don't see the logic with quintana bringing him back if he's in the same money tier as some of these other guys i'm just more curious and what we can get outside of the organization and i feel like to some degree we've kind of
1: capped out on the potential with q even with tommy Hadavi, over the last two years Yeah, so I think that the hope for this offseason, if you were going to try to be as optimistic as you could be, which again, I don't know that there's any reason to do that. um, Like, the the best case scenario isn't going to happen. So let's rule that out. The best case scenario is them, you know, spending wildly and just scooping up as many of these cheap, you know, kind of better players they can. That's not going to happen, right? So let's rule that out. That's done. But I think the the most realistic best case scenario is that we see an offseason that is similar to others where it's essentially most of the same group run back but with several you know smaller-ish additions but the reason that that's the best case scenario here is that instead of someone like discalso for two and a half million dollars a year or i think that's what it was a couple years ago um Sorry, guys, I'm not up on Daniel Descalso's contract. It was two and a half or three and a half per year, whatever, right? Um, Instead of someone like Descalso, maybe it's someone like Colton Wong, right? Like the caliber of player for the dollars might be better, even if you're only making a few margin-enhancing moves, which, again, like for this division and for this team, is it ideal? No, I just said that. But it could work, right? It, it, it could work. And especially, you know, you maybe you mix in some of these younger guys. Maybe we continue to see developments from someone like and, and and you are, you know, you feel pretty decent about this team, right? The scary scenario, though, is that it's that's They're not right, even on the table and that yeah. it's more of, you know, these conversations about either they look to trade Chris Bryant or they decide to non-tender him. Do they not non-tender kyle schwarber things like that and that's the predominant Uh, how can
0: they even trade chris bryant in this in this league i
1: assume that they cannot but i think that you know those are your options right over the next month or so they'll you know before the tender date they'll decide to they'll see what's out there and then they'll either decide to tender him because the risk of getting rid of him is insane and it's an insane move to make and an embarrassing one uh or they'll non-tender him, right? Uh, but no, I. I mean, I think the value for trades here, especially for someone like Brian, who's had the injury-riddled seasons, and just with the you know the market being what it is right now, I can't see that being worth it. Um, so yeah, but I. I mean, look, like I, I don't know how I feel about that one. I. I, I would say though, if I was a Kyle Schwarber fan, I would be pretty. I, and I, I am a fan of it. I meant like, you know, if he was my favorite player, um, I'd be pretty worried about that. Um, that just yeah. seems like something they might do if they're going to cut payroll. Um, I, do, you, do you have a feeling on that one way or another? Yeah, like if he was my favorite player right now, I'd be very worried he was going to get non-tendered.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think we have to operate under the assumption that one of these guys will get non-tendered for payroll reasons, and of the bunch, I have a hard time thinking it's Javi because they have no shortstop in in the wings waiting. You know, I love Nico, but he needs more time to grow, and they need middle infielders too, regardless of shortstop or second base. Um, so Javi th- seems like he's going to come back. Chris Bryant makes more sense to me than Schwarber because KB also has. Positional flexibility, and he's a former MVP with potential of an MVP, so that that seems to make more sense to me. Schwarber's a one-tier guy, dude. He's a left fielder. He slugs at times. He goes through unexplicable stretches of of bad offense over his entire career. Doesn't really make much sense at times, but when he's on, he's one of the better left-handed hitters in the National League but do the cubs want to pay 8 million dollars for that i i i don't know and would the cubs rather use that 8 million dollars to sign a left fielder or an outfielder with potentially some more flexibility i'm thinking of like kike hernandez for example who's 29 years old you can play multiple positions and probably bounce around left field right field and in the infield and in similar in a similar vein you have like marcel azuna who will be a free agent or going even down the list more you can maybe see a scenario where like barack holt or Jurix and profar makes sense and a very cheap deal like two to four million dollars i don't think that if the covid pandemic was not happening I think Schwarber is almost a surefire bet to come back. But given what we hear with the net loss of $140 million, given the bad year from Schwarber, despite some good peripherals, I think right now the risk might be too much for this front office. Right, And it would suck. It would suck. I love Schwarber. I love the attitude. I love the adjustments he's made. And I do have confidence in him, but I also have to be realistic that right now, despite having some confidence, there is a large degree of uncertainty. And if you're for an office scratching your pennies, he makes the most sense for me to go.
1: This isn't a conversation we want to be having, of course, Uh, as I've stated a million times on this podcast. uh, The Cubs should be spending at the top of the league no matter what. If you're not in that, you you know, go own a different business. But that I digress. Uh, With Schwarber, yeah, I mean, look, like, in a normal year you're thinking like nine million, like for a guy we drafted yeah, that we believe there. very highly in. Yeah, of course. Uh but you know, the question now is gonna be could you get two to three players, maybe even, to sort of fill out a roster for that same amount of money? And the you know? the,
0: the answer is probably Yes, <laughs> and
1: and they might be decent players. We we don't, you know, like the, the indication with the way this market's going to set up, it, it certainly seems plausible, right? Um, so it it's not a it's not a spot you want to be in. But like you said, Brendan, if you know when you're looking at this front office and considering that they may be kind of looking in the couch cushions for coins and and looking for any way to kind of shave off as much money as they can maybe that's one of those spots because like you said you know the 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 belief you have in what bryant might be able to do and and what he's accomplished is just you know more than Schwaber. it just is so but I mean, a lot conversation of conversation
0: can be had there though too like kb probably going to be due 20 million dollars this right. year so uh, as crazy as it sounds I mean, it sucks to even say it, but as crazy as it sounds, it might make sense, too, for a one to two year window if you have no intention on even extending Chris Bryant anyway. I mean, I it's, it's, just, it's a wacky environment to even be considering this as a legitimate possibility, but you can make the same argument there, too. And honestly, you can make the same argument that maybe both could be gone and now you have 30 million of of flexibility to even be more diverse on, on your roster in the next year or two. It just sucks because we've been conditioned that these will these guys will be extended, at least right. one of them, at least two of them, and no no one's extended. Havi's not extended, Schwarber, KB, Rizzo, No one's extended. So it sucks to be in a situation compounded by an unforeseen pandemic.
1: It's, it's the, the situation of understanding that you are in a really bad situation that nobody wants to be in, that nobody's happy about, and you just have to simply acknowledge that and ask yourself what is—we we still have to come up with a strategy here, right? As always, and obviously this one, this is different, but like we can sit here and lament the payroll. We can lament— the coronavirus we can talk about all of this but the reality is the reality and ultimately it's going to be about taking your you know chess pieces and maneuvering them the best that you can you know even if they're all covered in poop right like <laughs> you just got to you have to figure something out so these are terrible conversations but that's just sort of what we're looking at so uh, you know reserve you know Reserve your judgment and your uh, freak out for when and if or if it doesn't happen. I, I, I really don't know. Um, but that's just sort of where it is. So I uh, want to talk just for a second about some of the stuff that's gone on uh, front office wise. First, I just want to clarify before we move on to that and, and get towards wrapping up this episode here. Um, as I said at the beginning, the even in a good economy, I don't think the Cubs are paying John Lester $25 million uh, as a 37-year-old um, with where he is in his career. They did buy him out for $10 million. He and Theo have both said that they've spoken and that there is uh, open conversation for a return. So we'll see as I said before, there will be plenty of John Lester content if and when it is necessary, if his time with the Cubs is officially over. Uh, But them declining that option does not guarantee that. Uh, That was really a foregone conclusion. I was very surprised at the amount of people um, who took that decision on, uh, I think it was Saturday, Friday or Saturday, to mean that his time with the Cubs was officially over. Like, that 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 they were never gonna pay him twenty-five million dollars. We just had a conversation about whether they're gonna pay Chris Bryant twenty million dollars, right? Like they were never gonna pay John Lester $25 million. So we'll see. I, I hope that they're able to find a way to bring him back an incentive laden deal just so that I can go to Wrigley Field and give that man a standing ovation. That's that's all I want at this point. Um but we'll see. We'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But going to some of the front office stuff, some interesting stuff going on there that, you know, maybe at least to keep on your radar, Uh, because we still, you know, kind of have a vague sense of what Theo's plan is and what his timeline is. It relates to, uh, you know, of course, his his contract coming up and his 10-year philosophy and, and all that other stuff. So we don't really know what his plan is. Uh, you know, there's been some rumors out there that you know they would consider it now if it made the most sense. Uh, it, speaking of ways to get money off of the books, that is technically one of them, right? Theo is a, a very well compensated man, uh, and you know if he just thought that that was better for the direction of the organization in terms of a transition, things like that. So we'll see if anything comes of that. Uh, though he, you know, did sort of say pretty emphatically at the end of the year there that I'm here, I'm focused on doing what's best for the Chicago Cubs. So that's where we are in the immediate. But what did happen is that uh, the Angels, after getting rid of Billy Epler from their front office, asked to, uh, and I believe received permission to interview Dan Cantrevans, uh and he declined he would like to stay with the Chicago Cubs. And they also uh, requested permission to interview Jason McLeod. Uh, so really, I bring this up. Uh, one, I think you should find it very good news uh, that is kantrovitz i always add that extra n because it's in the beginning kantrovitz there's no n before the z at the end uh he is the vice president of scouting you know has obviously taken over we talked about kind of the lateral move uh with jason mcleod in the past off seasons and how you know a lot of the the drafting and amateur stuff is is now dan kantrovitz uh, lane. That is his, his sort of responsibility here. Um, and I, th- I think you should be very happy with that. Uh, a lot of the direction that we've seen in terms of the amateur stuff and and, and the direction change that you've seen there is because of Dan. Uh, and I, I, I think here's, here's really why I wanted to bring this up. Theo's going to leave at some point, right? Whether that's now, whether that's in a year when his contract comes up, but soon after that, I have no idea, right? But as we've talked about a lot, and as he's talked about a lot, he's always been on this 10-year thing. He does not like to stay in places for too long. That's that's something that, that he uh, has long believed in and long talked about. Um, my... front office stuff is is tough right because unlike with the players even with the players we always talk about how we're not in the clubhouse we don't know the strategy that Mike Borzello or Tommy Hadovy is putting into a particular play or into a particular decision or, or why David Ross is doing something right but we have numbers we can look at we have stats we have objective data that we can look at we have scouting reports we can look at even interviews from a lot of these guys where they give us some insight into stuff like this. But in terms of front office stuff, unless you have a book like Tom Verducci's, right, where he talks about, you know, a lot of the stuff in the 2016 World Series uh, and things of that nature, front office stuff is a lot harder to piece together, right? Because as any of these general managers or presidents always say when they win a World Series or when something good happens, they, they like to use the phrase a lot, there's a lot of fingerprints on this. Uh, meaning there's so many people involved in every decision, right? From the scout who finds a player or gets him to sign, to the agents, to the analytics guys, to the interns helping crunch the numbers, to the GM, the director, this, that, and the other, right? You've got people all over the world working for one organization. So sometimes it's hard to look at something and say, this player is Theo's doing or it's Jed Hoyer's doing or it's right. It's just harder because the, that information isn't always as clear. And without being in the front office, you don't always know what's going on. But as we are headed towards a period of transition, I, I'd also point out, even in my own experience, there there were times when I was an intern with the Yankees where uh, Brian Cashman literally walked into the office and said, in response to a trade or, or a move that had happened, he would walk over to the analytics guys and say, hey, FYI, this wasn't my call, so don't yell at me about this, right? Like, So there's just stuff that even in the media, he would get blamed for it, but he had nothing to do with it. So we just don't know. That, that's what I'm saying. But what why I'm waxing poetic about this is, I don't know if you disagree with me, Brendan, but in terms of this transition, the worst-case scenario could be someone I'm not thinking of, right? Like, I, I, I don't know that— I imagine in this particular offseason, Chicago White Sox fans, if they said the worst case scenario for who's going to be the manager, I bet they never even considered Tony La Russa, right? So that was probably out of nowhere for them. Uh, So with the front office changes, maybe there's something that I don't know of. They could hire somebody terrible from outside the organization. I don't know. But at the moment, my biggest fear is Jed gets promoted to president. And Jason McLeod is the GM. And it's
0: not going to happen.
1: I certainly hope it doesn't. <laughs> uh, the reason that I say that is yeah. because if you're going to lose Theo and you're going to usher in a new era and you're going to try to maybe shake things up a little bit, you're not doing that by promoting the two guys that were working under Theo, right? and who were in charge of a, an era of San Diego Padres baseball that was not good. Uh, so, and, you know, you just moved McLeod laterally to a, a less impactful decision uh, position. I, I just don't want them running the team. If, if Jed is the president and Dan Kantrovitz is the GM and perhaps some assurance along those lines is why he chose to stay with the Cubs as opposed to taking a job with the Angels. I'm all for it because he's been in other organizations and he is not of that same mindset. Now, Jed and Jason have done great things for this organization. Don't get it twisted, but it's 2020. It's not 2015 and it's not 2010 when they were, you know, sort of rising stars with the Padres or whatever. Um, They, we should be looking forward, you know, Voices that have been outside of this organization. Voices that have not worked only in this paradigm, right, with each other for the last, you know, near decade, right? So it's all just to say some changes are either going to happen soon or at least in the near future. I just want to get ahead of this. I do not want that to happen.
0: Yeah, I don't think it will. Um, Theo will have a say in who is making up the next hierarchy of front office. Um I mean he's already said that, right? Even if he does end up leaving. And if there is precedence to this, Theo has already made it known that he wanted to take McLeod out of a significant role in scouting, right? So I would have a hard time believing Theo would vouch for McLeod to be the GM. I would not have a hard time believing he would vouch for Jed as a president. I mean, I think that that's fine even for for me right now, given maybe who's underneath them. But I would have I would I would be surprised if it's just McLeod and Jed taking over when Theo leaves. That seems too much of a continuity of of before, and we've already seen this current front office try to change things up drastically. And I think even from the Ricketts point of view, he may want some fresh blood in there if Theo ends up uh, leaving after next year, which he, pr- he probably will. Now, like you, I think Kantrovitz staying, and I think from his perspective, staying sets him, up, sets him up pretty well to have a more significant role once Theo does leave. And the fact that he did decline a GM interview, not, e- not even like accepting the job just talking to a team signals either he genuinely likes his job with the cubs or two he has his sights on something bigger than interviewing with the angels
1: well yeah or he like everybody else (laughs) knows that the angels are a dumpster fire probably
0: probably and and, i mean in the same context right like mcleod is interviewing with the angels and he's interviewed with many teams in years past including most recently i believe the giants so mcleod's trying to get his opportunity. So it's all to say that I think Kantrovitz is well-suited to have a significant role once Theo leaves. And what he did turning down that interview, to me at least, hints that he may be aiming for this job. And I, I'm fine with it right now. I don't really know much, um, absent of what he did with the Cardinals and what he did in his first year with the Cubs. But what I do know is that he has a different philosophy and he was groomed under different executives that were not Theo and that were not Jed. And I do like that outside influence. I want to see more of an innovative mindset. I think Kantrovich does represent that.
1: Yeah, I, I it, it it's just one of those things where you're trying to predict where this is going to go. And I think like, you know, perhaps uh, Jed and Jason is maybe the path of least resistance, right? Uh, but if you're going to, Change things up, like just do it. Yeah, just do it. And <laughs> and I and again, like Kantrovitz represents that he's come from other organizations, he's had success in other organizations, and you can see that he kind of doesn't have the same. Obviously, he's working within Theo's philosophy, but he doesn't have the same thinking and background. He's younger, you know, than than McLeod is, and and I just it it just doesn't make sense to me to. Proceed forward with sort of the same paradigm and mindset because, like Theo and McLeod and uh, Hoyer, th- their their relationship does not only exist within the Cubs, right? We we they they've you know existed together before in different capacities. Doesn't make sense to proceed forward with that same sort of uh group except without the best member of it right (laughs) like it it just doesn't exactly excite me very much to i'm sure there's good examples of bands doing this right like you 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 know it's like yeah it's the same but you got rid of the best member so it's sort of inherently worse just doesn't work for me. Um, so I just wanted to get that out there. As you're hearing some of these these Cubs front office guys, especially within the context of what Theo's going to do and, and that uncertainty, and hearing these guys' names come up, I, I just wanted to get it out there. Kantrovitz staying is good news. You should be happy about that. Uh, that is that is uh, someone I, I think you would have considered that brain drain if he was taken from the front office. And as again, like This isn't to rag on Jed Hoyer or Jason McLeod, but they are not in the position, and I don't think that they're thought of, I think maybe McLeod in particular, as they were five years ago, you know, or six years ago or seven years ago when the Cubs were really starting their rebuild and and loading up on their talent. The game has changed, front offices has changed, paradigms have changed, and that is not the way I, I would proceed forward. That that would be uh, a mistake to me. Uh, so just getting that out there. But I think ultimately that's all we have for you. I didn't say this at the beginning, but appreciate you guys. Uh, nobody yelled at us for uh, taking a brief hiatus last week, uh, especially with, you know, not much going on uh, and heading up to a lot of those post-World Series immediate decisions. Uh, just we, we needed the... The time off, uh, so we appreciate you guys giving us that personal space, uh, but we are here for you, you know for this off season uh, as always, now that the off season is sort of allowed to contain action and actual uh, movement we 'll jump on here if anything significant happens uh, during the week. I think we 'll probably stick to once a week, uh, just because especially in these past off seasons, this stuff has been so slow and, you know, taking until January or February sometimes for stuff to really kick in. But we'll, you know, proceed uh, with an open mind as for, you know, whether we need to jump back on or not. But just wanted to say thank you guys for uh, letting us take last week off. It's not normal for us, but stuff comes up, and it just is... uh, Stuff we got to deal with. So, anyway, I think that's that's where we are. It's you know, again, I, I know I, as Brendan and I are. I'm sure you guys are very tired of these off seasons beginning with warnings and you know, telling you to prepare for the worst and and just this ominous language. I mean, it's been like this for a few years now, and we've seen that translate into you know, not necessarily disaster, but more just a lot of inaction or stuff that isn't particularly exciting. And I don't know what to expect for this one. If you told me a few months from now that it was kind of more of the same, like everybody's back and there's a couple new faces that cost not very much money, I'd believe you if you told me, you know, Corey, in a month you're going to be really, really mad uh, at this team. I'd believe you too. Um, So we're all in this together. I think we all want the same thing, which is the Cubs to be good and to remain at the top of the NL Central and ultimately uh, not be losing to teams like the Marlins in the playoffs. So I think we're all on the same page. We're going to get through this together one way or another, and we'll be here to talk about it with you. So as always, thank you guys for listening to the Cubs Related Podcast. We will talk to you soon. And as always, we end by saying go Cubs.